1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football presented by John Donovan and Longhorn Wealth Management Group. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined this morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton. And guys, ch- tell us where you're checking in from. We love to see that. But more importantly, we are 29 days away from spring football. It's inching closer and closer. Can you believe it?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm ready, I you, man. I don't know how else you can be ready. Uh, I've already been without uh, college football now for a month and a half a season this is the first Sunday without pro football in a long time I yep. mean what else can you you know I'm back to watching reruns on ESPNU right now
0: <laughs> uh, Bob, Bob, wait Bob Bobby you didn't watch the NBA all-star game and all that defense last night 211 <laughs> to 186 I uh, may be time to do away with that okay Two eleven to 186 in an NBA All-Star game. I'm not watching that bull crap. I don't care how talented the players are. That That's like is, watching flag football for the all-pro game or for that the is pro is, That is zero effort. And I know one team made 48 threes. I'm not here for a three-point shooting contest. I can watch every NBA game for that. I mean, a little effort. That that was ridiculous. Uh, I watched a little bit of the replay. I just I'm done. I'm over it. I'm done. I'd rather watch Houston scrimmage Texas and basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about, hey,
2: Blake, did you, you're a big baseball fan. What did you think of the opening of D- the dish on Friday and the home run to the Yeti yard on Friday afternoon? Oh, did
1: you see that? Yeah, that was awesome. Grand slam there. And, and what a way for the very first grand slam to go to the Yeti yard. Very cool there. Uh, good series overall. I mean, at, well, we talked about, I think, on Friday morning or Thursday, one of the two. I said, you know, San Diego is a good team. This is going to be good for RPI. And so, yeah, people that were expecting a cakewalk, it, you know, it obviously it didn't happen. Plus, it was a little chilly in Austin those first two days. Uh, and that matters in baseball. I mean, people can say it doesn't, but I've seen it with my own eyes, with my own son. It Cold weather affects your baseball game. And look, the day it got warm, look how much more offense we got. You know compared to the previous two days so uh, all in all good at least they took the series even though they dropped one yep absolutely uh, uh, Steve Saturday Maddow, night was Steve
0: a, that's cool by the way well, Steve Meadows checking in for Puerto Vallarta <laughs> from Wido pretty good <laughs> checking
2: in for Puerto Vallarta not not where I'm at right now that's for sure <laughs> that's for sure uh, hey tell us uh, what kind of coffee you guys drink too by the way I'm doing that now I'm I'm in uh today is French vanilla for me, I don't know that I'm. I, I think I'm. I'm more of a. Uh, I don't know if I'm into the to the perfumed coffee as much though, if that makes sense. That's. Well, that's I, that I have Chick Fil A Chick-fil-A tea this
0: morning. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah. comment on that one this morning.
2: Hey Jerry, be, uh, Texas, Texas like to made use an use offer. T- Jerry, Texas made an offer over the weekend uh, to a safety out of uh, Fort Bend. Another guy down in uh,
0: the the Missouri City area. Uh, for Texas, yeah, Cade Phillips, uh, High Tower High, Blake Gideon. Uh, they, fought, Texas, finally uh, made that offer on Sunday evening. Uh, Cade Phillips, a brother, a younger brother of Kenneth Phillips, who was a really good linebacker coming out of the Fort Bend ISD a few years ago, signed with Texas A and M. Had a devastating knee injury. He never recovered and played. Still a student at Texas A and M. What's interesting about Cade Phillips? He's a he's a corner safety, maybe a safety for for Texas. Uh, what they're looking at him at. He was, he was at the junior day. Texas did not offer at the junior day. I think I talked to Cade last night um, in in Blake Gideon's message who recruits the school also the area recruiter at Hightower told him, Hey, thanks for being patient with us. Um, They extended that offer. They're going to work on getting him back on campus um, in, um, in April there, March or April, most likely April. Um, But yeah, Cade Phillips is a long-arm guy, 78-inch wingspan at 6'1 and a half, whatever he measures at officially without shoes. Um, runs well, has good range. Uh, so he, he's more of a skinny frame kid right now. He's going to be a later developer physically. But, boy, it, it, that length, that, that range, that playmaking, the ball skills that show up on offense, uh, really good prospect. LSU, I think, had crept out to be the team to beat over AM. and uh when texas offered i think cory raymond was all in there for lsu he made uh january visits that texas texas a&m and then and then lsu as well there during those junior days but uh i think lsu was slightly out in front of a&m uh, for for kate phillips to texas offer definitely uh the longhorns are certainly in the mix there we'll see who they push for and how hard they push moving forward then uh Gus Cordova, D lineman out of Lake Travis, will be another guy that says he's coming to the uh, Texas Spring Game April 20th. And I, by the way, I spoke with Elijah Barnes yesterday as well at Dallas Skyline, four-star linebacker. I continue to think Texas is in a pretty good spot there. Um, he said he'll be back in April. Some kids aren't, maybe don't have their date finalized or aren't releasing their date yet, but. Obviously, uh, Texas was, uh, would love to get him on campus either April 6th or April 20th for the spring game. I think those are their two big visit weekends in April. Uh, he's going to Ohio State for a visit March 22nd. So he made junior days to Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, or the regional schools there. Now he's going to branch out, see some of those other schools. I think Texas will get a June official visit for sure, probably that last weekend in June, but nothing finalized yet. And he's talking to both Jeff Banks and Johnny Nansen.
1: Well, Jerry, you kind of made a basketball joke a second ago, but we need to talk about basketball. They they play tonight. It's a must-win game against Kansas State. Tell us why it's a must-win, Jerry.
0: Well, I mean, uh, Texas sitting at five and seven, um, they have to get the eight and ten to have a chance to make the tournament, and that means you have to get your three home games because the road schedule is very difficult. Um, uh, So Kansas State's a must-win. That that gets you to six and seven. Then you still have home games against Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. You got to get all those to get to eight. Um, and then if you lose the rest of your road games, you're eight and 10 head in the big 12 tournament. And I, and I do think an eight and 10, this is the one year it would get you in the tournament because the big 12 is so deep uh, because the road games are at tech um, at Baylor and at Kansas, not games you're picking Texas to win. Now Kansas does have, it depends on the colors injury. They have some injury issues. So, uh, they got blown out at Texas Tech. Came back and beat one at OU, who just doesn't have enough offense. Uh, but uh, Texas has to win the three home games, and this is pretty much an NCAA tournament elimination game tonight. The loser, of this is is pretty much done in my estimation. So um, you know, Kansas State's coming to Austin in must win mode. Texas is hosting Kansas State in must win mode. That should make for a uh, really good game tonight. Uh, obviously, uh, Saturday was ugly. Um, there's a few teams defensively that if they have the ability to, that, to really push that Texas offense out, hard hedge, Max Ace out the 30 feet, get the ball out of his hands. If you do that, D'Su's catching at 25, 26 feet, that negates what he can do initially off the catch. And then the counters just aren't there for Texas offensively right now with, with Tyrese Hunter continuing to just not progress as a player off the dribble. Dylan Mitchell is limited in what you want him to do offensively. Uh, so it's uh, there's very few teams who defensively can do what Houston did to Texas Saturday. But if you can, Texas is struggling with the counters to that. Uh, Tyrese Hunter's struggles have made it tough for Texas against a really good defensive team because you want to play Max Acemus off the ball and get him into some sets and get him the ball and clean, catchable looks. But they're just unable to do that against really good defensive teams. Jerry, the the question I had on basketball is, you know,
2: look, at what point is this Rodney Terry's team versus Chris Beard's team? How long does Rodney Terry really have, in your opinion, to kind of mold this team in his, you know, his shape, the way he wants it to be? Because I think some people after last year where basketball was really, really good, right? I mean, one of the best years Texas has had in a long, long time they see the the come down this year, but they got to remember. I mean, Timmy Allen, Marcus Carr, all those guys had three years experience in Longhorn uniforms. All the guys this year, except for Tyrese Hunter, it, they're most of them are new. I mean, yeah, Brock Cunningham, but he's not a he's not a scorer like Marcus Carr or leader like Timmy Allen. I mean,
0: it, it's different. So, what what are your thoughts on on that? Well, the the problem is Texas had so much turnover. From coaching two players, which the player turnover is expected, but then you add in a coaching turnover. I mean, if you look when Beard was hired, they pretty much had Brock Cunningham and had to build a team around it. They get into the tournament, they win one game, lose second round, then they're set up for a run the second year. Uh, Then you have obviously the coaching turnover. Um, That thing was held together. They had year two, a lot of those guys, Marcus Carr, some of those guys, Dylan DeSue DeSue was finally healthy, wasn't healthy uh, year one. All of Beard's first guys, that first team weren't hits. I mean, they had a couple of some. obviously the big man leave, uh, who was a really talented player. Is now at Kentucky, I guess school four for him. Uh, But, you know, so all those pieces didn't fit year one. They got in a really good piece in year two in Jabari Rice. Um, added added to that depth, added to that team, really, really to make a run in year two. So the, the, the deal for Rodney Terry is this, right? Is um, your Chris Beard's a great basketball coach, by the way. Um, so, but Rodney, it's year two. It, it's the same thing. If you can get into the tournament this year, um, it, it, they need to get in, right? Else, the negative recruiting, everything starts to hit you, man. Uh, you can get in the tournament this year. Uh, then year two is, is is the year that he's going to be really judged on. I mean that's the way college basketball is. Um, I mean they got bigger guards coming in next year. The, the question for Texas is what what type of big do they recruit in the portal after this year? If you're going to be a finesse team, that's fine. But if you're going to be a finesse team, your guys have to be really skilled. I mean there can't be you can't have a non counter. You, can't, you have to have shooters at all positions. You have to have guys, multiple guys who can make plays off the bounce to really put pressure on a physical, good defensive team. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what Texas does in the portal at Big after this year. I think they probably go for maybe a rugged, tougher defender, but yet that doesn't really match what they want to ideally do um, offensively either. So uh, they have bigger guards coming in. They have some real NBA prospects at guard coming in with size. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how they put this thing together um, next year because what bigs do they go after in the portal? But year two is really where um, the pressure will mount if you don't make the NCAA tournament. There's no doubt about it. they got to get in the tournament. But then how they mold this team in year two will be where uh, Rodney Terry and the staff are ultimately judged.
1: Well, another coach that we need to talk about is Sark getting paid over the weekend. We found out the details about that. But Bobby, before we get into that, why don't you tell folks out there about John Donovan and Longhorn Wealth Management well, Group. Sark needs to call John Donovan <laughs> based <laughs> on this latest latest contract.
2: Uh, John's with uh, Longhorn Wealth Management Group. John's a proud Texas Ex's life member. He and his wife and all six siblings went to UT. Uh, so it is this deep Longhorn family tradition that led John to dedicate his firm to providing total wealth management for Texas alums, employees, family, and friends. John is a certified financial planner who has spent over 30 years providing investment, retirement, insurance, and estate planning services and solutions to his clients. Uh, Longhorn Wealth is repeating its offer to extend to each and every Longhorn alum, employee, or fan a free 90-minute consultation to explore how Longhorn Wealth can help you develop and maximize your tax-free and tax-efficient financial future. So please give John and his Longhorn Wealth team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit
1: LonghornWealth.net. All right, guys, I'm going to bring the details up of that contract here, and let's talk about it because this came out over the weekend, and... uh 10.3 first year, or well, year four, I guess I should say. Then 10.4, 10.5, so on and so on. Quite the contract. Uh man, he got paid. <laughs> that's that's
2: all you can say. And you know, with he could get upwards of 13.
0: Yeah. Um, well, it's it's, it, it's uh, now official. Numbers. By the way, it's now official in college football too, by the way. If you're a if you make a college football playoff, you're making 10 million a year as a coach. I mean, that's the starting point now. I mean, that's what we're seeing in these contracts. I think Brian Kelly's uh 9.9 th- that goes over 10 at some point here soon. But I mean, you look at it, the the, the, jo- the company Sarp joined in the $10 million club with Nick Saban retiring is obviously Dabo, uh, Kirby, Ryan Day, Kalen DeBoer. I mean, that, that list of guys is, is very short uh, uh, that, that uh, SART joined and the incentives are what Bobby talked about there. Uh, 1.85 in incentives. So that can get up to 12 million a year. If you win the national championship.
2: Oh boy. What a great, what a great contract that is. And well-deserved. I mean, I'm not nobody sitting here picking holes at it. Right, Jerry. Yeah, I mean, n- nobody's sitting here saying I oh, he doesn't deserve it. Hey, is there, who are the college coaches today who have been in a college football playoff? farbaugh has gone. Saban's gone. Chris Peterson's gone. Urban Meyer's gone. Who are the guys left? Ryan Day. Dabo. What, who, who, who did you Dabo. say? Dabo. Oh, Sonny Dykes. Sonny Dykes and Luke Fickle.
0: Because uh, Luke Fickle had Cincinnati in it, right? Yeah. Yep. 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 That's about so he- it. So if you're in a blue blood and you made the playoffs, you're making your coach is making ten million a year. Kalen DeBoer, ten million dollar yeah. contract at Alabama. Yeah, I that's mean that's where we're is. at. Hey, that's pretty high cotton for for. Um, for by the part. way, uh, well, I guess Matt Brown hasn't been in a college football playoff necessarily, but he is. Uh, Lincoln Riley is your other ten million dollar man. I forgot there has been in the there. Playoff. We
2: go. But th- that's it. That that's the kind of cutoff,
0: right? Yeah get to the playoffs and be a blue blood and you'll get paid. So, I mean, the reality is if you're not if TCU and uh, Wisconsin they aren't paying their coach 10 million a year, but if you're at those higher level schools, those blue blood schools and you make the playoff, you're you're making 10. Uh the interesting thing is the guys who bumped up Lane Kiffin bumped up into the 9 range with his ex- contract extension, joining guys like Mark Stoops, James Franklin, uh some of those guys around 9, so uh that You know that's pretty much the going rate right now uh, in college football. Are you a believer? Let me ask you this: because we, are you a believer
2: in James Franklin as a guy that can break through and actually be in a college football playoff, no matter where he's at, whether he's at Penn State Tech? I mean,
0: I just don't know that he's that coach. I, I think the I think the issue there is if you're sitting there and you have to beat Michigan and Ohio State to go to a playoff, Um, no. If James Franklin left tomorrow and took uh, the Florida State job, maybe. Maybe, because he would recruit at such a high level, and you're playing in what's the ACC as long as there's an ACC. But in a Big Ten where you have to beat Michigan and Ohio State, I'm not there.
2: I wonder what Kyle Whittingham makes. I mean, he's been a good coach for so long, but he's just been at Utah the whole time. You yep. know, he would be a guy that I think can get there if if he gets the right quarterback. So we'll see.
1: $4.7 Is all Kyle Whittingham makes? His base salary as Utah's head coach for 2023 will be $4.7 That is a $200,000 increase compared to the previous season. I got to say, that's a deal for them. I mean, Baylor's playing Dave Aranda more than that. I mean,
2: <laughs> I'm serious now.
1: And but it hey, looks like he'll get a little bit closer to five million uh, this upcoming year. That he he was renewed in 2022 as a contract extension there, so he'll he's inching closer to five million. But I'm I'm with you. That's they're getting hey, their money's hey, worth. Hey, by That's the
0: cool. way, so UT boy said nine million at Ole Miss is crazy. Um, you know, but I, my comment wasn't on that. I was looking at some numb some SEC teams this uh weekend, kind of looking at projected deep depth charts. You guys know Ole Miss. If their depth chart projected holds steady, nine of their offensive starters are transfers. Ten of their defensive starters are transfers. That's an amazing, amazing number. I mean, yeah. but that also tells you Ole Miss is all in on this 2024 college football playoff all in and I think that's smart um the other one I looked at that was interesting guys is is uh Arkansas, five transfers on the offensive line that are projected starters going into this year not all one year start transfers but one or two year transfers nine transfers on offense seven on defense some of those two years some of those one years uh but you know when we get in these schedules um you know uh, Arkansas is interesting because the transfer quarterback from Boise State's a Louisville high guy. Transfer running back is obviously and Jackson from Duncanville, one-time Texas commitment. But you kind of start looking at uh, that uh, some of these teams in the SEC and how they're being built. If if you're a blue blood, obviously you don't go to the portal as much. But if if you're not, you truly are looking at the double-A baseball ranks and bringing those guys up to the majors to compete. That I mean, that's where you're at. You know, Texas doesn't play Ole Miss this year unless it's in the Correct. championship game. Correct. But they do play Arkansas.
2: Um, yeah. And I, I, you know, this is a do or die year for Sam Pittman in Fayetteville. Uh, there, there's no. And and Chris is right. Those numbers remind me of Coffeeville Junior College. I mean, that's that's reality. I mean, you get that many transfers in, you just don't you don't know what you're going to do with them. The thing with Lane that's interesting is he's recruiting high level transfers. Yes. Yes. He's not uh, the the defensive end out of Tennessee is Tyler Barron, legit. Uh Walter Nolan, legit. He, yeah. Council yeah. Mammalian, legit. They're going. I, I think that Ole Miss is, is a dark horse for the SEC, but I, I do think that their problem is, is that Georgia's defense is just gonna smother them again. Well, so have they done gonna... enough on offense. Have they done enough on
0: offense to not get smothered like they were by Alabama? Well, look, to your point, I looked up Georgia. They're starters from the uh, 63-3 annihilation of a uh, defenseless Florida State team and program at the time. Four offensive line starters back. Quarterback obviously returns. Oscar Delp, the next tight end, started that bowl game. Uh, two wide starting wide receivers back. Running back, they essentially have a starter back because Travis Etienne transferred from Florida. But on the D-line, to your point, all three guys that started the bowl game are returning. Uh, two linebackers that started the bowl game are returning. Obviously, the corner, Dalen Everett, who may be a first rounder, and the safety, Malachi Starks, who's a laid down first rounder, are back as well. So, um, Georgia has a lot of large humans back on both sides of the line, quarterback back. Um, and they are, they are easily, easily going to be the most talented team Texas plays next year. Not even close. Although, oh, although, by the way, Tyler Baron did switch to Louisville. That that is correct. Oh, did he really? Yeah, yeah. But uh, but Ole Miss, Ole, Ole Miss is uh, more than okay at D line. Hey, I was gonna I was gonna add this. Uh, we were talking last night on the live stream with Rod
2: about first round picks. Georgia and Michigan both both may have four first round picks. Now Georgia has more depth, we believe. Yeah. But Michigan right now could have, could project to have four first rounders the two defensive tackles, Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, then Colston Loveland, the tight end. And and then uh, you add in Will Johnson, the corner. So those, while I say, while I agree with you that overall Georgia will be more talented, uh, the high end numbers at Michigan could be pretty, pretty uh, astounding.
0: Yeah, they could be. And Michigan's whole issue, why you want to, it's almost like playing Alabama last year, different. Obviously, the coach left, but. Why you want to catch Michigan early next season? All six offensive linemen in the combine. That's got to be a record. I, 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 how is it not? You're one of your guys that didn't start in the combine on the offensive line. And JJ McCarthy's gone, right? So, and Blake Coram's gone. So they, lo- I mean, Colton Loveland's going to be looking around in spring practice saying, okay, I think I know him and I think I know him. He does not, there's <laughs> not much familiarity when he's in the huddle in spring practice. Okay. So, uh, do you want to catch them early? The question is, will all those Michigan guys remain at Michigan after spring? That's two first-round D tackles. Will Johnson, first-round corner. Will all those defensive guys – I think the offensive guys will keep it together. Sharon Moore is the head coach there. But will all those defensive guys remain? That's a lot of staff turnover on the defensive side of the ball.
2: I The, the safety already went into the portal. Kian yeah, he, he went into the portal – or he, he says he's going into the portal – um, you can't officially know that for sure until April 15th, I believe. But uh, long story short, I mean, they're going to have some some uh, turnover. And, you know, Texas is going to, you know, I talked to someone again uh, over the weekend. Texas is definitely going after at least one defensive
0: tackle in the portal, possibly two. Yep. I mean, they're not done.
2: So no, we'll see where done. they end
0: up. By the way, Oklahoma, doing the study on Oklahoma, 10 of their top 12 leading tacklers are set to return. Off last year's team. Um, five of their top wide receivers, six wide receivers, obviously they lose Drake Stoops, um, who caught 84 passes. Uh, but their big play guys are all back, uh, which is interesting, which is helpful. Starting breaking in a new quarterback, obviously, new tight end, new quarterback, a big turnover on the offensive line. Uh, but that will help Jackson Arnold. There's going to be familiarity there, at least some timing things, guys he's thrown the ball to in the practice setting. Uh, for over a year. Somebody said, Ryan Nelson saying Oklahoma's still going seven and five. It'll be interesting. Their offensive D-line, OLDL, is going to tell the story next year in the SEC for Oklahoma and how Jackson Arnold plays his first year starting. I I think that's going to be the other fun thing about spring practice was we're going to be focused on Texas, obviously, but we also got to focus on the schedule. I mean, and we've talked about it. Like If you go down the list, Kentucky, new quarterback transfer. Vandy, new quarterback Mississippi State Blake and transfer quarterback, new quarterback, new staff, Arkansas, new starting quarterback out of the portal. Jackson Arnold, new quarterback for Oklahoma. Uh, so you look at that and that Texas schedule. I mean, and then the health of Connor Wiegman at AM. What does he look like in the spring that with that new offensive staff? So Texas faces a such a favorable schedule next year. The more you look at this schedule, who lost who, and from the standpoint of who's breaking in new quarterbacks. New offensive coordinators, new coaches, what have you, but really quarterbacks. This Texas schedule sets up very, very well for year one in the SEC. And plus, with all the losses at Michigan, is that don't well play, They don't play LSU
2: or Ole Miss. Yep. You know, uh, don't play Alabama either. Yep.
0: Exactly. Those are
2: three of the top five teams in the SEC from last year,
0: and they don't play Auburn, who is recruiting at a very high level,
2: or Tennessee.
0: It's a great great first-year schedule. Don't play. Uh, Ryan Nelson, Oklahoma's first road trip in the SEC is the Jordan-Hare. Yeah, that is the most underrated place to have to play in the SEC is Auburn. And one of the most underrated places nationally.
1: You're muted, Blake. I sure am. Thank you, Jerry. It's been a while since I've done that. Well, it's time for some questions here and we got lots of them. So let's just go ahead and jump on over and we're going to start with some recruiting talk. Antoine says last year, there were 14 commits before the start of the season in August. Do you think we'll see something similar this year? Absolutely. Uh, Look, I think this is,
0: I think recruiting for the junior classes is pretty much set right now. You know, you're going to have some kids commit early, right? If you know where you want to go, then but the question there is: Do you let a kid commit early if he still wants to make official visits? You just tell him to hold off. But yeah, the recruiting is pretty much set in the current landscape, right? Um, in the current recruiting calendar, NIL, everything these staffs are dealing with. You're going to have you had the January uh, junior day visits, right? You, then you're going to have the spring visits. Could Texas get a couple of guys in April mm, heading that spring evaluation period? I'm not ruling it out. But the majority of these kids are going to go through. June, late May, June official visits and commit prior to senior year. I absolutely see Texas um, hitting that that number of commitments uh, before kids' senior season start. Uh, that 14, 15, definitely not out of the question. But I think it might be a little bit bigger class starting than last year with 22, with uh, DeAndre Robinson flipping uh, to Florida. By the way, I, t- I spoke with Melvin Hills yesterday. Uh, he's talking with Kenny Baker weekly, so he's still... Remains. Uh, his plan is still to go to the to go to Texas and report in May. Could I just, that change? I don't rule anything out in recruiting, but we hadn't talked about Melvin Hills in a while, and I did touch base with him yesterday.
1: Good stuff, Jerry. The next question, guys. Earlier, uh, y'all mentioned Gus Cordova and Kevin Randolph. Says is he a take for Texas? But I also want to add one other comment in there because I've seen it come up a couple of times. AJJ Sports says, I'm surprised Cordova is still being recruited after the whole allergy thing. So can one of you address that? Yeah,
2: I, I think I think it's time to for us to, I mean, look, I, I'm not in that and I wasn't there. And the authorities have have been dealing with that. And so for us to sit here and try to pontificate from a third party window way way far away, it's hard. I mean, I don't know all the particulars. I don't know what he, you know, he's a young guy. I, I just don't know. And so I think that it's not that I'm excusing any behavior or condoning it. Um, I just don't know all the particulars. And to act like I'm the judge and jury on it, I, I don't know. Sark is offered. Everybody else is offered. There's a reason for that. Um, either they think that there's some sort of, uh, uh, you know, remorse for what he did or something. I don't know. But uh, long story short, us sitting here talking about something that's being dealt with by the authorities, I find it kind of hard for us to kind of lean
0: in and have anything to say that actually is
2: helpful. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say to that.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm I'm the same as Bobby. Um, I, that's just that's something that I'm not commenting on at this point in time. And we'll see how would, we'll see. We'll see we how don't, it plays.
2: we don't know. I mean, people, t- I, people have texted me and, and sent me. I'm same as you, Jerry he did this. Well, he did that. What do we know? I mean, I, I can't. I'm not an investigator, you know? And so I, I, I feel sad for the whole situation, actually. That's, it's horrible.
1: Um. So, anyways. ah, right, well, let's move on. Uh, Melvin Heels. Jerry, you just talked about him. So, Chris Young wants to know, what is he weighing now? And is he a future nose tackle or three technique?
0: Yeah, he's a... Uh... He's a three technique, not a nose tackle. He's a three technique player. He's up to about 280, 277, 280 right now, which is significant. He was 265 start of his senior season. So uh, he's putting in good work there. He works with uh, uh, a guy, a a trainer that also does some D-line stuff in in that Lafayette area, Um, uh, Coach Reggie, who's done, worked with a lot of top kids, almost every top kid in that area over over the years. So I I expect uh, Melvin Hills to be 285-ish. Probably when he reports, um, he'll be a 300-pound player. Um, it's just when he gets there, how much is that is reshaped when he gets to college? He's You're, a you, he's a developmental guy. Go! That I've always said he's a stash. I call it stash and develop. You, you, you stash him for one year and really develop him. I, I think that's the type of program, uh, uh, type of p- prospect he is. And sometimes I love, sometimes I love two years. Hey Jerry, I love the term take and bake. Yeah. That's that's
2: that's the same thing you're saying stash. And that's the same thing to me is, you know, you take a guy and then say, hey, let's let's really work on your body. Let's work on your ability to to make a transition because he did play small school ball, relatively smaller school ball uh, there. Uh, The question, though, that that you said you talked to him yesterday and he's been talking to Kenny Baker and he
0: still plans to arrive in school and go to school at Texas. Yep, yeah, that that was his plan as of yesterday. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to monitor it. But, uh, uh, you know, the fact that he's talking at, at regular contact with Kenny Baker is uh, a good sign on both ends of that recruitment.
1: Yep, We'll see if anything changes. Well, before we move on, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell folks out there about Factor.
2: Yeah, we're, we're entering the second half of the show here. Factor is our sponsor. Thank you so much to those guys. Uh, Get started on your new resolutions with Factor. Uh, You're ready for the new year. Factor's ready to eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your front door. With more than 35 meals to choose from per week, uh, plus more than 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. Uh, I gotta be honest, their uh, Parmesan chicken uh, is absolutely delicious. I had a uh, another dish that they sent me that was just, they, they've done a good job, guys, of literally uh, creating options that make you feel full uh, while also being healthy and hearty, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, forget, forget frantic lunch preps and rushed dinners. Factors, two-minute meals are your secret weapon uh, in the new year, fuel up fast with restaurant-quality meals, all delivered right to your front food, uh, front door. Uh, call, uh, the, uh, head to factormeals.com forward slash Texas50 and use code Texas50 to get 50% off all Factor. This is a big, big offer. Factormeals.com forward slash Texas50 and use code Texas50 to get 50% off. That's code Texas50 at factormeals.com forward slash Texas 50 to get 50% off. They have keto, vegetarian, uh, protein plus. They've got it all. Uh, The protein plus is uh, terrific in my
1: opinion. Good stuff for sure. Okay, we are going to move on to the next questions here. And let's take this one from King Me. He says, are there any 2025 Austin area recruits that we should know about? You know, well, we talking about Gus Cordova. Yeah. yeah. I mean, There's some guys,
0: there's some guys you know, uh, CJ C. went and saw a kid, Coleman Patman, the head coach's son at Del Valle, Del Valley uh, last week. Hadn't been offered by Texas, but a guy who's got a lot of power fives. He's kind of rising uh, headed into spring practice. Uh, so there, there's, a, there's a number of guys, uh, you know, the 2026 20, quarterback at Westlake's a very good player. Yes, about 25 specifically. I think the 26 D lineman at Westlake's very good too. Uh, Colton Vossick's brothers battling some injuries at Westlake as well. Got hurt late in the season, headed into, um, headed into uh, the spring. So see if he's completely healthy for spring. James Patton, Bobby remembers James Patton. His son is a six seven, two 250 pound defensive lineman over at Westlake. I think we're not saying these guys that are going to be offered by Texas, but guys that are going to pick up steam here uh, in, in the spring evaluation period. So, there's a lot There's a lot of talent uh, in the area. There's a corner at Stony Point, Cook, that's got a chance. Um, what uh, about I, uh, Vandegrift? Vandegrift and Weiss have somebody. Weiss has the receiver, Adrian Wilson, committed to Oregon, a guy that Texas hadn't really moved on, uh, but they can keep in contact with him. a in on him at Weiss. Weiss has a 26 offensive lineman, uh, Gerald Mays, who Texas offered and he was at the junior day. So there's plenty of talent in the area. Um, you know, you can go down to San Marcos, make the short drive to San Marcos, and they have four or five power five guys in their 26 class. And the kicker there is because they got that, I, I call it BS tran- UIL transfer ruling. Um, those kids all had to play JV. So San- if you look at San Marcos, they went 0-10 last year. Well, that's because their quarterback and a linebacker that's Texas, Georgia, and AM, Oklahoma good. Uh, another linebacker at 6'3, 220, a receiver that was at Texas Junior Day. Those guys were all on JV last year. So if you go down the San Marcos, they they have they have some guys now. Uh so that the whole the whole area is very talented. Um, and, and it's gonna continue to be talented. is always gonna have a couple of guys, right? Um, and they're all Tyler yeah. Guyton. Look at Tyler Guyton, what how he developed. Uh, He was not a highly recruited guy, went to TCU, transferred to Oklahoma, and he's about to be possibly a first-round pick. So there's a lot of talent in the area. There may be not in this 25 class the names you would know like that are ranked in the top 100, top 150 in the country, but there's a lot of talent in the area.
1: And then while we're talking about talent, different regional areas. Burnt Auburn says, "Are there any recruits down in the Brazosport area, Lake Jackson, yeah, Angleton?" Hey, that's a great question. Uh, you know, Angleton
0: has guys pop pop up every three, four years, right? I mean, they may not have as many guys as they used to that are the high end Texas Texas A and M level kids. Uh, so they normally have a couple of guys pop up. Uh Brazosport had the really good safety two years ago at TCU. Uh he was a he's a tremendous was a tremendous prospect out of Brazosport. Most of the talent down there is more drifted to Galveston County right now.
2: Or up to Manville.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Manville, the Manville butting up against Manville Shadow Creek butting up against the uh, Missouri City. Uh that's an extremely, extremely talented area. I, I actually spoke with uh, Ja'Cory Watson the four-star receiver at Shadow Creek. I spoke with him yesterday. Chris Jackson him spoke last week. Going to get him back on campus uh, in April. But the kicker there with Ja'Cory Watson is he had a foot injury midway through his senior year, so he had to have surgery. He's going to get released in the next couple weeks. Not going to run track. Just going to really prepare for spring practice. What Chris Jackson told him is they want to watch him in spring practice. He's a guy that since Chris Jackson was hired, he hadn't even really watched him play receiver because he played quarterback, then got injured. Uh, So he's going to be one of those spring evaluations uh, at the wide receiver position from Texas. A guy that Sark in Texas liked early on and offered him when he was a younger player. Then obviously Kobe Sellers. Uh, the corners at Shadow Creek as well. Anthony Williams, a Texas commit, the outside linebacker. Shadow Creek has a twenty twenty six receiver named Chris Stewart, who Chris Jackson offered in December. And then the new school out there, Bobby Iowa Colony. That's kind of the area that's blown up because there's nowhere else to build. So there's some <laughs> developments going in in Iowa Colony, which I'm not sure I ever thought I would say that, uh, but Iowa Colony has uh, a number of. uh, uh Division one guys in that program. And yes, Angleton's history in the University of Texas is quite amazing. Quentin Very Jammer, strong. Quentin Jammer, Quandre Diggs, uh, hey, DJ Monroe, uh, Rodney Terry. I mean, there's a, Angleton in Texas, uh, there's been a lot of history there.
1: Yeah. And they even have a, uh, I think a softball player from Angleton right now currently right. on the roster as correct. well. So, all right. One more recruiting question, then we'll switch gears for a little bit. And I'm not going to put you on the spot with this, Jerry, but I'll I'm going to let go you ahead. list a couple of guys. David Rahal says, who's know. the next commit? But who are a few guys that you could see committing to Texas relatively soon?
0: That, that's that's a tough question, right? Because, uh, you know, the guys, There's, I think there's 10, 12 guys that can absolutely just call Texas and commit right now. Those guys really aren't going to do that. And, and Texas is loves this. The, going through the process here, continuing to use the May evaluation period. I mean, if you have absolutely had to push me on somebody, could I see John Mills at St. Ignatius doing something early? Maybe. He's scheduled to be back April 6th. That'll be three visits in less than a year, four visits, sorry, since June. He has the June 14th through 16th official visit scheduled, and he has that scheduled because the last weekend in June when Texas is having their big, big weekend – families out of the country. Uh, so John Mills, you know, you could see a, a guy like that if he decided to shut it down with the change at Washington. Sharon Moore, because the three teams there were headed into January were Texas, Michigan, and Washington. He's had multiple family members that were college athletes at Washington. Sharon Moore, the Jim Harbaugh move didn't affect his recruitment as much because Sharon Moore was the guy recruiting him and had been. Uh, he's been on all those campuses. He was actually at the uh, Sugar Bowl as well. Uh, because one of his dad's best friends lives in New Orleans, so he's a guy that's he's seen Texas enough. If he's ready to make that decision, you you know you could see two or three guys. I think April May uh, commit to Texas. I don't think we're going to see a run of guys. Hey, I got to say this: another Angleton guy for the University of Texas, Amard Hall. Oh, great one. I knew I was forgetting somebody. Obviously, yes. he has the national championship ring of all those guys. I,
2: I, I want to bring this up because like, we need to own our mistakes when we have them. Uh, last Friday, I believe it was, we were talking about David Clyde, the baseball pitcher. Here's and somebody had said he was from Tomball, and I kind of took it and ran with it. David Clyde actually was at Westchester. Westchester. Uh, in,
0: yeah. yeah.
2: So I want to I be clear that we we uh, uh, make that uh, change and announcement. I'm not sure who the the baseball player was at Tom Bowl that I was uh, talking about. So, uh, my apologies uh, for that one for those people that uh, were misinformed because of me.
1: We have a super chat from Jeff Carey, and we talked about basketball earlier, but let's revisit that. No. Jeff, thank you for the super chat. He says, "If Texas loses tonight at home, do they make the tournament?
0: No, not unless they go win at Kansas, win it, win a couple of road games. No, this is a must-win that." Is, they have to win their next three home games. That ensures eight and ten heading the Big Ten, the Big Twelve tournament. And I do think eight and ten, because of the strength of schedule, uh, the quad one wins. Um, I, I do think eight and ten would probably get Texas in, and not even in a play-in play game. But there's so much basketball to be played. This is the year where eight and ten can get in the tournament from the Big Twelve. But that means it's a must-win game for both teams tonight. The loser, I think, is out.
1: And before we get back to football, Jeff Collins says, uh, Blake's thoughts on which short outing yesterday. Looks like control is still an issue. Yes, we reported earlier in the week that he most likely wouldn't get the start, so I was kind of surprised that he did yesterday. But as you said, Jeff, very short, and I'm with you on control. And by the way, guys, the baseball polls have come out uh, while we're on the air here. Number nine in perfect game, number 14 in Baseball America, and number 16 in the D1 baseball poll, so – a little bit of movement, but not much. Uh, let's get back to football. And uh, William A. Jones says, "I asked this question way too late last night, but let's say Quinn comes back for a senior year. I don't think he will," says Jones. But if he does, what does Sark tell him, having Arch waiting? Your thoughts?
2: I, I that's not something I've really contemplated. Yeah. Um. I, I don't think that this, th- I don't think that's going to happen, guys. Uh, what does Sark tell him if it happens? I don't know. It depends on how good a year Sark, uh, Quinn has and how, how, what the development is of, of, uh, uh, of uh, Arch Manning at that point. Those are, there's too many, there's too much uh, grass to grow between
0: here and that here and then, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and let me say this. If that scenario ever popped up, Texas didn't have a good season. Probably. <laughs> no, I would agree with that. I mean, I just I I don't I think there's I'm not going to say zero percent right, but I'm going to put that in the one to two percent category. The only thing that
2: might happen if he if Quinn got hurt early, right, and so and Arch took over the
1: rest of the way. That that's the only way that happens in my opinion. All right, this next quote here from Gunner Matthews, and he says, "I never hear hear anything on Akana. Any word on how he's developing or where the staff plans to use him?" He's playing at edge right now, but I've heard that he's going to also play a little bit of off ball this spring. And I
2: have heard uh, that, uh, you know, some things about him, but it hasn't, you know, it's he's in that list of guys that we haven't seen enough of. I mean, frankly, he was on scout team last year, essentially. So we just haven't seen enough of him.
0: Billy Walton, Darian Gillette, Samaj Burrell. I mean, we just haven't seen enough. I think the key with Cecilia Kana, which is different than Billy Walton. Uh, I think Billy Walton, he's going to be a 250 pound guy, right? I don't think there's any question. The key with Akana was, you know, already getting to Texas. He went in there for spring practice, already getting to Texas at over 19 years old. Well, how much could he, de- was he really going to develop his frame? Because that was probably, that will probably tell the story on his career at Texas, because you know, moving to the SEC, they want bigger, longer lever guys out there at that position. And then with the guys coming in, he's got some twitch. He's got some edge rush ability, designated pass rush specialist coming in uh, to Texas. But that physical development so key for him because you look at, look, Trey Moore's coming. Trey Moore's here. Colin Simmons is here. So the competition just got amped up if you're an edge rusher in a big, big way. So what's he look like physically uh, come this spring? I think it's going to be big for him.
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert
2: in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on
0: PC through Facebook games.
1: And then Wyatt wants to know which young linebackers are y'all most excited to see this spring? Well, he'll, he'll obviously, I want to see what Ty Anthony Smith does too, by the way,
2: first time we've seen him in a Texas uniform, uh, but Leonga LaFouille and then mine is
0: really Darian Galette. I think he's a little bit yes. of
2: an factor at this point.
0: Yeah, I'm the same on Gillette because, look, if you if you listed the pound for pound top athletes in the program, you're probably starting with Dre Bledsoe. Uh, It doesn't take long to get to, you know, then Jelani McDonald. Then you get to Darian Gillette probably. Uh, But I I think he is such a high level athlete. Assuming he's 100 percent back we've heard great things, but you never know until you really see it, but uh, if he gets 98% of the athleticism back he had prior to his uh, serious knee injury, uh, there aren't many better athletes running around at 6'4", 6'3", 6'4", 240 than Darian Galette. I thought last year was a huge year for Galette because the one thing about him was he was kind of the jack-of-all-trades guy at a small school. We talk about it all the time. He had never developed at one position, concentrated on one position as a football player. So learning the linebacker position, actually the physicality of that position as much as the technique of that position, uh, that was a big developmental year for him. And Bobby had heard good things during bowl practices, which is a positive sign. Uh, but it was such a big year to learn a position for him because you're talking about a guy that had played safety when he was younger, quarterback, running back, receiver, Uh, a linebacker, rushed off the edge. I mean, that's a lot of playing football and also very little playing football with with one position. So uh, it was a big year for him to develop. I'm I'm interested to see what it looks like this spring. Uh, Jerry, I want to add this.
2: Um, Gallette is one of those guys that we didn't see anything of last year, really. Warren Roberson, we didn't really see anything of last year. That class, that 2023 class, is really, really talented. Yes. Okay. Now, Texas is starting to, I don't want to say stockpile talent, but the cupboard is no longer bare. Right? And so what I like about guys like Darian Gallette, we're not really, no, nobody's really talking about him. But if he ends up being a real dude, Texas takes a step up. Yeah. And they have guys like that in the in, waiting in the wings, I think, a little bit. Yes. So I that that's my like. How good is Trevor Gooseby and, and Jaden Chapman? You know, we we don't really hear about them only in backup roles. But if those guys are next up and truly good, that, that that that's those are the kind of guys that allow Texas to to be the next, not the next Georgia, but similar to a Georgia or Alabama over there, where you just see this continuous run.
0: Yeah, I I think I have. Uh... Heard very good things about Trevor Gooseby uh, yeah. and Gene Chapman. Uh that and you know, look that that freshman class gonna be sophomores now of offensive linemen. Some of those guys' development is a longer uh runway. Andre Kojo was 16 when he actually reported to Texas, just turned 17 when he got to Texas. You know, Connor Stroh, those guys are gonna require some patience, but if they're patient with the development. Uh, uh, uh Texas likes that group of guys, that, but their patience is going to be uh, the key. Uh, my, somebody's asking me a Trevor Gooseby. I'm hearing almost 6'8",
1: 315. Hey, this <laughs> is so big. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> Todd Lacey says, Col- is Colton Bosett going through spring ball or is he still injured? And then he also adds on, I believe that he was going to be a breakout player in 24, but now I'm growing concerned about him. I'm hoping he's not a guy who is always injured.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, CJ Vogel was by Westlake last week, and I think there's still a little bit of concern there with, with Vosik. Uh, is he going to be 100% for spring ball? And and that that's a long time now for him to, to kind of have the injury bug. So, uh, hopefully he hopefully he gets past that because spring is I think spring's very important for him, especially when the talent that's coming into the program now on an annual basis, both in high school and portal, I mean, if you're out injured, man, you can really lose a lot of ground. um so hopefully he's back for spring ball because he was he's a guy who was mentioned. Very positively prior to the injury bug, Bobby. I mean, that was a guy that was mentioned, okay, he could be, he could actually be in the rotation heading in the last year, but then the back issue.
2: Yeah. Hey, Jerry, uh, saw Shane, uh, Shane Rink's son, Landon Rink, uh, put out
0: a list of group uh, schools he's going to be visiting in the spring. Texas, not among that group. Yeah. I, you know, Texas um, at the t- January twenty junior day, he wasn't, that he maybe didn't get as much love as some of the other guys. Um, and you kind of, the thing you wonder about there is, and I think he's very, very, very good player, great motor, um, super strong, by the way, 400 plus bench, 600 squatter. Uh, the question there is, is Texas just looking for more size at the defensive line position in 2025? I mean, you got Zion Williams, who's 6'4, 325, right? You got a guy like uh, Dylan Battle, who's 6'2 and a change in 300, 305. Uh, Brandon Brown is a 285 that's easily going to be 310 uh, one day, right? So you start to look at some of those guys. The the kid Sharma out in Folsom is a 6'4", 305, 310-pound guy. Uh, Landon Rinks is in that 6'2", 278, 280 range. And he's going to get the 290, but is that in this class the size that they're really looking for? Sometimes it's not about how good a player is, It's kind of what what do we feel like the needs are in
1: this class, especially moving forward in the SEC? And our next question comes from Vivek B and he asks, Do you guys think that Trey Moore will be a top five to player on the team next year? I've heard he looks great. Mm. Wow. Top five to ten player. Are you talking about Trey Moore or
0: DeAndre Moore? Trey Moore. (laughs) I think he's talking about
2: 14 and a half sacks last year i hope he's a top five to ten player <laughs> right that that would be my my comment on that that being said i don't know that he will be a top five player i mean you know like texas pretty talented team who are your top five right now you put quinn ewers on that probably uh, put Isaiah bond on that you probably uh, put Calvin yeah. banks who i else? mean anthony hill anthony hill,
0: anthony hill. jade is- baron Andrew Makuba, yeah. Amari Nadelak. Yeah. I mean, there's a – what's DJ Campbell look like in year two as a starter? I'm guessing he's a he, he, even more angry and quicker-moving guy <laughs> in year, and confident guy in year two than he was in year one. Uh, Ethan Burke, I mean, he's a mock draft in the first round. Not mean he's going to be a first-rounder, but, I mean – it, uh, let's say this, let's say this if Trey Moore is a top ten player at Texas next year, Texas is going to have a hell of a season. Another
2: I don't know about if he's top five, yes, I agree. yeah if that would mean he gets people on the ground yeah, yeah. He, he, he creates some sacks
1: uh, this next one is from Archmania and he says, will we be trending to developing a bit bigger linebackers now that we're all, now that we're heading to the SEC?
2: Thicker, not necessarily bigger. So th- this is the thing that Rod and I and, and Jerry were talking about. You don't have to be 6'2 or 6'3, okay? But they want you thicker. They want you 230 to 240 and have long arms. So you can be 5'11, foot, and and fill that role, okay? You got to be able to run and you got to be tough. That's, that's the blueprint, not 6'3, six, 6'4. You know what I mean? And so I, I feel like that's that's where it goes. Uh, it's not so much about height at linebacker. It's about strength and being able to take on blockers while also being able to run. I mean, and I'll, I'll put it this way. I don't know that they're looking for DeMarvian overshone at linebacker at Texas right now. That long, long guy that's not necessarily strong. You know what I mean? At the point of attack. Samaj Burrell, Leon, those type of guys
0: are what they're looking for. The, the cra- Here's the crazy thing in recruiting for me um, and, and what staffs always have to watch. If I told you there was a six foot, 275 pound guy with short arms that uh, plays really hard, that plays D tackle at DeSoto right now, would you take him? The answer might be no. And that guy's about to go in the first round. So you got to. There's got to be a balance there. And you're not just talking about linebacker. You're talking about overall. I'm talking about Byron Murphy. If he was coming out today at six foot and a half, 275, with short arms, would he be a take? That's where things got, that's where staffs have to be careful as they continue to be able to bring a lot of talent into a program is I don't care where you play, what conference, who you play against. Um, There are guys uh, that pass that check so many boxes. Height be damned, and wingspan be damned.
1: This next one is for you, Bobby, from Chris Young. And he has a question for the Bob father. Any news of Jelani McDonald? Is he working out with the safeties? Well, he was during uh, bowl practice. He
2: was during bowl practice. But he is not. I mean, right now they're just working out. Um, and so I think that that's going to continue into uh, spring ball. Uh, now, if there's any changes, we'll let you know. But uh, he is expected to be working out with the
1: safeties. That's what he made the transition to full time during uh, bowl practice. And then we're going to go to this question from Brendan. Brendan asked Do we think we utilize more two back sets again this year? I feel like Baxter and Blue complement each other real well. And also, don't discount Christian Clark. He will be a stud. Uh,
0: and Jarrett Gibson. I mean, I. It, it's interesting, those two freshman backs, they're different skill sets, which I think is great. They're not Baxter Blue that different, uh, but Christian Clark is going to be the most violent cutter in between the tackles Texas has. The first practice, Jarrett Gibson has probably the, most compact, powerful frame of any running back at Texas. So those freshman guys are different, and than the guy than than Baxter and Blue, and I think that makes for great versatility in your backfield. I think Jarrett Gibson's almost like he's like the uh, pure running back version of Savion Red uh, that checks all the boxes, right? I mean, that's kind of what Jarrett Gibson is. But uh, Blue, I, I think Blue is going to have a very important role. Do you see more two back sets? Bobby, I think that really, you know, it gets into Sark's going to be versatile, right? But we were talking about last night with Rod. Does does the wide receiver circle of trust go to five or six this year? Yeah. All I, these things are going to kind of factor in to the play, the percentages of how much, how much, how much two back you see, how much three wide, four wide next year you see, maybe a little more, more so than last year. It's all, everything's going to factor. And I think the spring is going to be big and all that stuff and all those decisions. So the two back set
2: was more successful. According to Rod, who tracks that stuff for us, um, was more successful than any other formation at Texas last year. However, I think that it has been somewhat limited by the amount of plays they run out of. Right. I mean, there's, you, you, it can't be too much because all, then all of a sudden it takes the advantage away of what it is, which is a, a little bit of a different look. Um, so that's number one. I don't know how much more they can do. I think they will do more of it. You know, is it going to be 5% more or 50% more? I don't think it's going to be 50% more, right? That That's the difference. The other thing I would say about this, I love Trey Weisner. Yep. So what I saw Running backs are very interesting to me. You you see a guy one time, you usually can tell whether or not he's going to be a, a really interesting running back, a good running back. It's not a, a situation where they get better over time. Now maybe they get stronger. Maybe they run through more. T- you know, that kind of stuff can happen. Trey Weiser, Jerry, there's something about him outside the tackles um, that could be really, really interesting for yeah. Texas. Um, I actually think that he's a better runner than Keelan Robinson. I agree. Um, and so what does he look like in that two-back set? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I like Trey Wisner a lot. I'm interested to see how he gets implemented. Not. I know everybody's talking about Christian Clark and, and Jarrett Gibson. Fair. But I think both of those guys are not necessarily two back set guys. They're mostly, mostly guys that can run the power, reading. the inside zone. Yeah. Yeah. It's a staple. If you add Trey Weisner to the two back set, what does he look like compared to Jaden Blue or in conjunction with Jaden Blue?
0: Yeah.
2: You know, the thing about Cedric Baxter in the two back set, he rarely gets the ball.
0: Cedric Baxter is usually. Just follow him to the ball because he's going to be blocked because he's he's the best blocking running back in the program, bar none. Now, Christian Clark and Gibson may have something to say about that because I think they'll be on a pretty. But Baxter is by far the best blocking running back the program has.
1: I agree. I agree. Robert Mohammed wants to know: Will the two back set be influenced by how well the receivers block? Ooh.
0: I think it's. I, I, I'm I'm a little different on this. I think Sark likes to be multiple. He likes to put pressure on a defense and stress a defense for 60 minutes, vertically, ideally, right? And that vertically can be opposite hash deep, uh, comeback throws, which is what they move to more in the 23 season versus down the field vertical shots along the sidelines because that's not hasn't been Quinn's strength. And Texas may even, even though Worthy was really good, he was more of a catch-and-run guy versus a straight guy you just running vertical routes through. Isaiah Bond's got straight vertical ability. Um So I, I think it's just Sarks wants to stress the field every single play in some manner. Uh, to how the receiver's blocking, I'm not sure how much that factors in because I will say this, if you don't block, you're not going to be in on those plays, period. I mean, so I think that's what's going to be interesting this spring is you know, Nye Black as a blocker at tight end, um, Isaiah Bond, Matthew Golden. I mean, this is gonna, there's gonna be a lot asked of those guys. Not that it wasn't at Alabama, don't get me wrong. Matthew Golden, maybe more asked of him in the blocking game. Uh, but I, I just think it's more about being versatile and a defense never being able to get comfortable with the team they're playing in Texas. I think that's what the real the real key is to see Sarkeesian's offense while putting stress, stressful putting that defense in stressful situations vertically as much as possible. And that can be, like I said, deep opposite field hash throws. Uh, I mean, it's numbers throws. It's just putting that defense in as many stressful situations as possible and not letting them get comfortable.
1: Lots of talk about uh, Jelani McDonald, guys, since we were yeah. talking about him just a little bit ago. Ryan Nelson says McDonald's only still only 18, lots of development ahead for him. But then David Williams says, Jerry and Bobby, do you all view Jelani as a potential DeMarco Cobbs? I haven't heard that name in a while. That's I'm wild. always concerned about very athletic football players that have positional uncertainty.
2: You know, and, and there's there's some truth to that. I mean, that's why you're concerned with it. It's legitimate. DeMarvian Overshone finally found a home, right? But it wasn't until late in his career. Um, And he had to overcome a lot. You know, I I look, I think that that's why coaches don't always go in recruiting. They won't always take a chance on a Jelani McDonald because they don't know if he's a safety. Is he a corner? Is he a linebacker? I mean, three different position coaches
0: kind of fought over him. So what is he really? You know what well, I mean? I think, and I think this, too, with Jelani McDonald. The way he fits at Texas in the Big 12 and SEC could be two different things, right? Well, I agree. Playing, I think the SEC movement pushes him farther away from the line of scrimmage. That makes him more of a safety as opposed to a linebacker. In yep. the Big 12, you try to make him, you try to force
2: him into a, a linebacker right yep. because you know you're they're going to throw the ball around the yard. You're going to be able to play lighter box. SEC, you try to
1: play him at safety. Uh, before we move on, Bobby, why don't you tell folks out there about John Donovan and Longhorn Wealth Management Group one more time?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to John uh, for being a sponsor of Coffee and Football and on Texas Football. John's a proud Texas Ex's Life member. He and his wife and all six of his siblings, all UT grads, can't get uh, more blood than that. Uh, it is this deep Longhorn family tradition that led John to dedicate his firm to providing total wealth management for Texas alums, employees, employees family, and friends, uh, John would like to offer everyone uh, a free 90-minute consultation to explore how Longhorn Wealth can help you develop and maximize your tax-free and tax-efficient financial future. Please give John and his Longhorn Wealth team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. That's 972 707 4900. Uh, thank you very much, John, for your continued sponsorship
1: of Coffee and Football. Okay, guys, we got time for just a few more questions here. So we'll take this one from Todd Lacy. And he says, what position group surprises in 24? It's a great question. Um for the season to I always start with how
0: does when you look at the strength in, of a team, how do you how do you maximize a team? So the position you hope rises to the occasion is interior D line. That's what you hope. But the position that has to is is twofold for me, Bobby. It's edge with the added pass rush dimension of Moore and Colin Simmons. They have to be next level from what we've seen the last three years at Texas Undersar. There needs to be a big jump. Sorrell Sr., Burke, third-year player, Jr., Simmons coming in, Trey Moore coming in, uh, Jamon Tapp in year three. Maybe somebody takes a step like that, but that that position has to be really, really good this year. And then the safety position with the that Andrew McCuba coming in, Derek Williams in year two, Michael Taff returning, experienced player, a uh, Phil Simi coming in, would uh, Jordan Johnson Bell probably play that nickel position uh, early on. But that position has to be really good next year because if they are, um, then I I think Texas there will be a. Tremendous. I think Texas is going to be a better team. I'm not saying they're going to have the same record. But those positions, to me, have to be really, really good. The position to surprise, you hope it's your defensive line. Uh, Sadir Mitchell grows up. Jere Bledsoe grows up. Aaron Bryant can anchor in the SEC in 10 snaps a game. Now that he's 25 pounds heavier than what he was when he reported to Texas, that's kind of where I come out. I'm looking more defensively. Offensively, they're going to be so good.
2: Yeah, I, I think that you're right. I mean, I think that the, the potential for surprises are at, at edge and uh possibly safety um on defense. I I I would say the one that people just don't see as much of a strength as I do right now is tight end. Oh I, mean, I think I think Gunnar Helm is a s I mean he's gonna be better next year. Get another yeah. year stronger, and I think Ny Black is as good a
0: downfield threat, if not better, than Jatavian Sanders. Agree. And 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 um, Ogbo, Ogbo in year two is a jumbo tight end. A more comfortable player in that in that role. I, I look, that's that's my if I were to say what's the
2: surprise, I think it'll be tight end, but not knowing and I will say this, knowing that it's hard for a tight end to be surprised. Like it's not all of a sudden gonna be the feature or focal point of the offense. So I would probably lean to Jerry's point. I would probably lean to edge. Overall. Uh, yeah, we Honey were...
0: Badger, thank you for that super chat. Yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm in Houston this week, and I'm uh, hitting schools. Uh, there's no school today, obviously. Uh, the rest of the week will be out and about, but n- next week I'm on the road. Absolutely.
1: And then Ben. Uh, ben says, we still need a spring transfer in the defensive tackle room. Do you all think that's something high up on Sark's offseason agenda? Yes.
2: Yes, 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 yes. Okay? And I want to say this. I don't think it's just one. You know, would they take two if they got the right two? Heck, yeah. There, I mean, you talk about Miss Ole Miss being all in for a a championship this season. University of Texas is all in. And they know they need defensive tackles that are ready to play. Period. You know? Will they get a better sense of what they got in Civea, uh this spring? Yes, they will. But I can tell you right now, they want—they're playing for keeps at Texas this year. They're—they're—I I, one to two defensive tackles, a punter. I think—I think they're coming. How, who it's going to be and whether or not they're going to be able to get the right ones, I think that's the key answer. I don't think they're just going to take guys. So. Two two real legit guys have
1: to be available and attainable. All right, guys. Well, that's gonna do it for today's uh episode of Coffee and Football presented by John Donovan and Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Bobby, what do you got coming on later today here on On Texas Football? And then of course over on ontexasfootball.com. Yeah, absolutely. We've got
2: a bunch of stuff coming. Uh on Texas Football, uh, here uh on the on the website, actually. Uh, We've got uh, a couple of articles coming out. I talked a little bit about uh, the uh, NIL situation at Texas uh, making a turn for the better uh, a little bit uh, this morning. Uh, We've got other news and notes coming from CJ Vogel as well, the uh, team notes. Uh, Jerry uh, will be back, I believe, with Rod Babers uh, tonight for Talking Ball on the uh, video channel. Uh, But come join us. Uh, I really uh, hope you guys get a chance to take some time. Uh, When it's downtime, you want to go check in. Visit us on the message boards, go to the community section of uh, On Texas Football, talk with us, uh, shoot the breeze, whatever you want to do. Uh, We'll all be
1: there. uh, Talk a little Longhorn football in your downtime. Well, we want to say thank you to John Donovan and Longhorn Wealth Management Group, along with Factor for sponsoring today's show. Thank you all for tuning in, for the super chats, all the great questions. Sorry we didn't get to all of them, but we did as many as we could. And that was a lot of them. And as Bobby said, if you head on over to ontexasfootball.com, you can ask them there, join in on the discussion, and uh, we'll try to answer more there. So for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Have a good week, guys.
2: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping.